You're listening to Venture Vignettes, a podcast that features learnings from trailblazers in entrepreneurship and investment. I'm your host, Rihanna Shaw, and today on the show, we have Siki Moo, founder of Hello Ava. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being on the show, Siki. Thanks for having me. It's always good to be back at Stanford and um, always love talking more about entrepreneurship and share it with people who are interested in the same kind of journey. Awesome. So let's start out with um, a little bit of your background. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's actually kind of uh, serendipity that I got into this beauty space, but uh, my main background in the past has been in traditional finance. Uh, I worked a couple of years. I did my undergrad at Stanford, so it's always that's why I said it's good to be back here. And after that, I worked at Morgan Stanley for a couple of years in New York, and then I was also a Bloomberg TV anchor in Indonesia. It's kind of random. And then I worked at this big mutual fund called PIMCO. And then after that, I started kind of looking into entrepreneurship, and I was able to use Stanford Business School as a platform to test out some ideas and interview some users. And and then after that, we decided to you know run this project, and really Hello Ava kind of started from there. And then we carried on as a full-time gig. Cool. What inspired you to start Hello Ava? And could you tell us a little bit more about the company? I personally had this really insecure experience, actually. When I was an undergrad, I suffered from acne, and I was very sad, and I felt really insecure about my face and didn't feel confident. So I remember just going to my friends for help, and I remember they they were able to tell me a lot of great advice, and I followed their advice, but it somehow didn't quite work. And then I later realized that because everyone's skin is different, so how come that we didn't have a way to treat people in a much more personalized way? Um, so what ended up happening is that I found out this new um, cosmetic product that I was able to get from a dermatology office. And then, um, and I tried a lot of products and didn't work, but this one somehow worked. And I was very eager to share that with a lot of my friends. And, um, but I also realized that some of my friends, when they took my advice, it also didn't work for them. And that's when I kind of found out that was actually big data right there. Um, products could work for some people, but not the others because our skin is different. So that was the first time I, I came up with this idea of collecting a database for skincare products and their feedback. Um, and then after that, I, uh, I didn't really action on it because I went to Wall Street. But when I was in at Bloomberg doing my internship, in the news broadcasting, I was asked to do this commercial for a local Indonesian company that does organic skincare. And then I just realized that there are a lot of harsh chemicals in these products, and I've never actually taken the time to read the labels. So those two experiences kind of just contribute to this thought like, oh, maybe I need to build a platform that helps people understand and then give them precisation solutions that is really based on their needs because everyone's skin is different. How do we do that? I didn't quite know at that point. So we decided to take a class. That's awesome. So what exactly does Hello Ava do right now? We originally wanted to build customized skincare products. So we take a sample of skin, whether it's by you know, looking at you or taking a photo of you or using a hardware to collect some kind of like oil, water content. 
But we realized that people didn't really care enough to pay a lot of premium for a customized formulated product. What people really, really care about is that if you can find a way to somehow match their needs to the product that already exists, that's like golden. So we realized that what we needed to build is not a customized formulated product, but rather Mm -hmm. a matching engine. So you're Mm -hmm. matching a human to a human skin to something that you know could work for them. So, and how do you do the matching? Well, initially, we decided to start with ingredients. So mm-hmm. we use uh, the resources of dermatology and chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say if you have this kind of uh, skin needs and skin concerns, and then you belong to this demographic group, and um, you're how, how old are you? Like all this information we can collect from you and also your photo. Then we know like some these are the ingredients that could help you. And then we like go on the internet and do a quick scraping of all that and then find the best products for you. Those are based on science. But then later on, we start collecting a lot of data. So actually the algorithm becomes smarter because we can actually rank users' feedback. So uh, we start building this collaborative filtering process, which is part of the machine learning theory, which what it essentially does is that understand, let's say Rihanna, you have, there's when you come in, there's 10 other Rihanna that it's very similar to you. I have already liked this one product, mm-hmm. so I will probably know that this one product will benefit you as well. So that mm-hmm. makes the algorithm algorithm become smarter um, over time. It's a very actually a very obvious user case mm-hmm. of machine learning, but it hasn't really been um, done in this mm-hmm. space. Um, it was already used in things like you know Netflix and uh, other verticals, but mm-hmm. so we think that this is actually the right time to disrupt it with this kind of technology. Interesting. So it sounds like HelloEva is like this customized bot that basically helps a user figure out their skin type and based on that gives them personalized product recommendations. Exactly, right? yeah. And then cool. it it, keep, it collects your feedback over time also and becomes like a smart engine, um, like becomes your personal skincare consultant kind of huh. thing because it learns from your behavior and learns from your feedback to the products. Hmm. So it's not just mm-hmm. like a one-time thing. You find it, you discover it, and that's it, and you go off to buy it somewhere else. Actually, you, it stays with you for the mm-hmm. rest of your life, hopefully, if you mm-hmm. don't leave the platform and then understand your skin better and better over time because people's skin do change um, mm-hmm. with season, with aging, and with all kinds of different like uh, external mm-hmm. factors. Huh. Very interesting. I understand that you spend a lot of time figuring out who your customers were and what they were looking for and what kind of recommendations would be useful for them. So I'm wondering, could you tell our listeners a little bit more about your customer discovery process? Yes. So I had to thank um, professors Steve Blank and Jeff Epstein for that because we were lucky enough to be selected as one of the eight teams in this class called Lean Launchpad. And even up till today, I still think it's one of the best, most helpful classes ever taken at Stanford, not just for business school, but also for my undergrad times. During that class, the whole idea is trying to run hypotheses and then use experiments and interviews to test them and understand mm-hmm. whether they're true or not. Mm-hmm. So we had this hypothesis that people will buy a cosmetic product if it's formulated for them at a very high price. And then we went out and talked to, like, I think, accumulatively over 300 people. Oh, wow. Um, so we did, like, at least, mm-hmm. like, 20 times of interviews. Like, you know, every single time we did, like, around 10 to 15 people. We still mm-hmm. a lot of people, and we, it was, I mean, that itself is, like, kind of like a big learning experience because you have to be comfortable 
with being rejected. Um, so we uh, we talk <laughs> to them, understand what their skin needs are, and then understand like what is being really lacking in the in the space. And almost every single one of them talked about this really annoying process of going through a lot of trials and errors to find out what works for them. Almost every single woman we talked to mentioned that word, oh, that yeah, like in order to find, we asked them like, how do you find out what works for you? It was like, oh, it's just a lot of trials, a lot of errors, like read a lot of reviews and try them and realize, oh wait, that, that doesn't work really well for me, but like, you know, so go <laughs> move on to the next thing. Then we're like, wow, like, so like, how do you know what, if something that works for you or something that doesn't work for you? And then um, they're like, no, we don't know, that's a problem. And then another big discovery is that a lot of these people, over I would say, eighty percent of them actually don't even read the label of mm-hmm. the package because um, a lot of these cosmetic terms mm-hmm. are not uh, are pretty long chemical terms mm-hmm. that usually like you just don't understand what they mean. You don't know. Um, you don't know what blue five is and what it does to your skin. I mean, a lot of these <laughs> chemicals, like even I, I don't know a lot of them. So. Um, so it's not like they don't want to read about it, they just mm-hmm. don't understand. So right. they didn't really understand these kind of like a potential harsh uh, ingredients that could actually cause harm to their mm-hmm. face. So when we realized that, then we start kind of proposing this idea that, mm-hmm. okay, like if we can find a way to somehow figure out what are some of the reviews that are actually relevant to you based mm-hmm. on your needs, not like yeah. someone else's needs, and also filter out some of these harsh chemicals so that you won't have to understand what they mean, mm-hmm. would that be helpful to you? Almost every single woman we talked to were like, oh my God, that would be life-changing. Um, so that kind of gave us the confidence that to start building Ava, and that's... And then we came up with this name because we really think that machine is a better engine at doing this than human is. So we um, we came up with this idea of using um, a character from this movie, Ex Machina, because we truly believe in the power of machine and it can learn better than human over time. Hmm. So that's why we call it uh, Hello Ava and then we start building on this engine. Hmm, that's interesting. How did you get 300 people to talk to you? So yeah, so I told you earlier that it was that part, it was kind of like quite an experience because we, the first time I went out to the Stanford shopping mall, it was actually kind of nerve wracking because <laughs> I wasn't sure what people were going to react to it. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, we want to do some survey on people's purchasing behavior in beauty. Like, would you mind talking to us? And when you frame it that way, a lot of people would be like, yeah, sure. Like, but like, I'm like running out of time or, you know, you, it felt like you might <laughs> be welcoming some rejection. So we realized that was not the smartest way to do it. Um, so, and we went back and then I decided that, okay, we're going to wear our Stanford Business School shirt. And then my friend is going to wear her um, Stanford Medical School shirt. Hmm. And we would not go out and people would think that, oh, these people are actually like legit. And then we changed the f- uh, phrase also. Before we're like, we want to do a survey. Mm-hmm. And then we changed now to rather than we tell them we need them to help us to do something. We told them we want to learn something about them hmm. and then make them feel special and want to help them instead. So we changed it to, we want to learn about your beauty, like behavior, and hopefully be able to help you find the right set of products hmm. uh, based on our experience in both business school and medical school. Would you be interested in talking to us? That turned into almost 100% acceptance rate 
Hmm. And that's why we got to interview a lot of people in a very efficient uh, manner. Hmm. So it sounds like framing really is everything in some ways where you really want to make sure that your customers feel like you're serving them as opposed to them doing something because you want them to. Exactly. I think that kind of goes a long way, not just during the early days when we're prototyping and hypothesis testing, but also even today when I'm talking, when we're talking to users, we always frame it in a way that makes them feel mm -hmm. special, makes them feel like this is a service that's created for them hmm. and to help them. Yeah. Very interesting. What are some things that you've done in order to market your product? Because it seems like you guys have had a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of luck recently in trying to figure out what are some of the main things that make users tick. And so I'm wondering, what are some of the things that you've done to market your product to your audience? Yeah, so recently I would say we uh, we got pretty good PR as a, as a result of our launch at Disrupt New York and that got kind of mm. picked up by a lot of people and they were interested in something. Also, I just think that because the beauty industry mm -hmm. is not um, disrupted for a long time, so mm. it's something that people are looking for. Mm. Um, and then we also are, we put a lot of effort in terms of our social mm -hmm. media. We haven't mm. done really a lot of paid marketing Mm -hmm. uh, per se, like not like paying a celebrity to like endorse our product, that type of thing. But we put a lot of effort into managing good social media presence. A lot of people found us out on social media mm -hmm. or on referrals um, of their friends who found us on social media. Mm -hmm. uh, recently, we did have a big uh, shout out at, uh, at Snapchat, which got mm -hmm. us over 20,000, almost over 20,000 users in oh, one wow. day. I think those are just some of the kind of viral factors. We mm -hmm. couldn't really control it because we did have like a human aspect of it, serving customers. So we didn't quite uh, expect that. And then we actually were overwhelmed by the amount of demand that we got um, from that piece. But now we're expanding quickly. So we're going to become like much better at managing some of these spikes in our demand. Hmm. That's very interesting. What have you guys done in the past when you've had a spike for demand and you didn't necessarily have the infrastructure to serve all those clients? So I think um, waitlist is a magical thing. A lot of mm -hmm. startups have used that. Uh, it has hmm. worked quite well because it makes people feel like it's in high demand, it's special, it's exclusive. So mm -hmm. we we start using that way, like if we kind of went over the spike, mm -hmm. actually the whole system automatically start kicked off the, the waitlist process, which started hmm. taking people's conversation, sorry, taking people's, um, um, their account information and their basic information, and then we uh, send them an invite once the workload is, has reduced. Hmm. That's really, that's really smart. Yeah, and then actually helps us with our PR too, because we learned from some of the consumer uh, product companies, like there's this, um, uh, what we call like the Warby Parker for suitcase company called uh, Raiden. They had like a 2,000 2, people waitlist. And that was on the headline news for a couple of days hmm. for like many, many major magazines. So we realized that people actually like to see that kind of headline. Hmm. So when we, whenever we have that kind of problem, actually, I would call mm -hmm. my editor's friends and be like, hey, we just got another like 4,000 people waitlist if you want to like, oh, wow. push some piece out just to, mm -hmm. it actually helps us with our marketing. So it's really interesting, like, you know, what kind of, what we call like scarcity has created yeah. um, from a marketing perspective. Hmm. That's very interesting. So what are some of the things that you guys have done in order to get that sort of organic PR? It sounds like you're saying some of it was 
from pitching, some of it was from other organic content. So I'm wondering what are some of the things that you've done to get your company's name out there? We like to be frank with you, haven't done mm-hmm. like anything. I mean, the only kind of big effort <laughs> we did was kind of managing our social media in a way. Mm-hmm. I, I truly do think, though, we are creating a very um, needed service for mm-hmm. people. So, like, if we can do our job well, yeah. and the words will go out there. We because we're we were relatively early in our development, so we didn't want to kind of do too much marketing yeah. to kind of you know. Um, to that that will kind of skew the data mm-hmm. we wanted to understand what naturally people would do how many users we cannot track like organically in order to plan our companies like from a financial planning purposes and also mm-hmm. strategy planning purposes to to understand that user journey and be able to tweak the product and tweak the marketing strategy in, in order to serve those needs so but then in the future obviously we all have mm-hmm. to do marketing. So um, we are looking into things like SEO optimization mm-hmm. as well as um, social media and paid advertising mm-hmm. on Facebook and Instagram and also mm-hmm. user-generated content to mm-hmm. like bring up your Google ranks to, to help with mm-hmm. bringing people to our website and to our mm-hmm. service. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Cool. So my last question for you is what advice do you have for other entrepreneurs who are trying to get started either in this space or just in entrepreneurship in general? Yeah, so I don't think I'm in a place to give advice because I, I'm such an early stage founder mm-hmm. also, and then but I appreciate the opportunity to share my just my journey. And if it's helpful to people, then I think that'd be great. I personally think that if you are in a school or, or doing an MBA program or in any kind of uh, coursework you should try to take a class potentially in entrepreneurship and be able to use this as a risk-free way to uh, test out an idea do a lot of customer interviews do a lot of hypothesis testing in order to understand like are they actually feeling the same pain that you're feeling and is this problem a real problem or something you just imagined um, and the way like really you have to do it is not really staying in the classroom to think you have to really get out of the classroom and talk to people. And that's really the only way you can understand what people are thinking. So, um, so yeah, I think if we can all kind of do that, every single entrepreneur, whatever field that you're in, if you, let's say if you want to start something in tech, maybe go talk to like people outside of Apple Store. If you want to start something in beauty or fashion, go talk to like people that's walking out of Zara department store. Hmm. Like it's so important to... You know, I know it's probably scary sometimes to talk to strangers, but it's so important to get over that and understand the real mm-hmm. needs of the market before you start. And it's so easy. Like, you know, you can literally just like spend an afternoon and talk to people. Awesome. That is such great advice. And those are some really great ideas. Thank you so much for the wonderful conversation. I'm, I'm sure our listeners found that very useful. You can check out Hello Ava on Facebook Messenger or on Instagram as Hello Ava Beauty. For learnings from our conversations with our awesome guests, check me out on Medium or LinkedIn. Thanks for listening and looking forward to seeing you next week.